observations from day two of OTA practice, which features Davis Mills still competing for the starting quarterback job for the Houston Texans. And to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's what, it, that's what it'll be about. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a hump day episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to our everydayers. For those of you who join us Monday through Friday, I'm John mm. from Sports Guy Hickman, of course, joined by none other than Texture Credential Media member and writer for Sports Illustrated, Cody Davis. If you are new to the Locked On Texan Podcast, thank you for checking us out today. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Texan podcast wherever you get your podcast, including including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure you subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube as well under Locked On Texans. Really quick, I know we are following and covering the Houston Texans, but Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence have finally agreed to an undisputed fight. I'm sorry, I was breaking news. <laughs> but you guys are here today to hear about the Houston Texans. Day two of OTAs. There were some takeaways, and if you followed us from yesterday's show, then you <laughs> we called we it. Gotta talk about David Smith's <laughs> We called this it. Comments, uh, on day two on Tuesday, and uh, honestly, I had no problem with it. Him saying he's competing for the number one job, I get it. So mm. we're going to talk about that, but first, let's open up with our top observations and takeaways from day two, Cody, before I give it over to you, because you had an opportunity to be out there in that heat. God bless hey, y'all. Hey, let, let me just say this. <laughs> Coach D'Amico Ryan, if you don't do nothing else for me, please make sure when training camp starts, it's early. 8 a.m., we do media about 9, 30, 10. So when that heat really comes, we are out of there because Lord oh had mercy was getting hot. It was hot out there. <laughs> but hopefully the heat, this turns, the heat turns into a hot season for the Houston Texans. Uh, one of my takeaways was there was no John Mechie, no Kenyon Green. Coach D'Amico Ryans talked about Kenyon Green. He said he's doing well, getting stronger day by day, so he's encouraged with where Kenyon Green is. Kenyon Green is fighting back from that knee surgery, and so he is a guy that, if I can be frank about it, I am expecting, hoping, and looking forward to a huge leap from year one to year two. He was a guy that was mm-hmm. traded back for for Houston to accumulate more picks in last year's draft. Took him with the uh, 15th overall pick, I believe, in that mm-hmm. mid-team. And he's a guy that had a couple of ups last season, but a lot of downs. And I think his transition was just going from playing with young kids, in a sense, collegiate kids, that he is stronger than, than coming into the NFL and playing against grown men that he is nowhere near strong as. So I'm looking forward to seeing him getting healthy, going through a full off-season training, heading up into training camp, training camp into preseason with no injuries, no setbacks. So looking forward to seeing him get back on the field healthy. And the status of John Mechie, who Cody, you'll let him know, but that he was not out there as well. Coach D'Amico Ryans did say that Mechie is doing great. Mechie is working on his goal to get back by training camp, get him back to football. We're right on 
the correct path with him. And I want to make sure that I use that quote to let you guys know for all of the <laughs> out of the worldly expectations. Cody, you said it a few weeks back. Let's hold off on those high expectations for that young man who is coming back after missing a full season, a full year football, and he's still working towards getting healthier and getting his body back into football shape to play for the Houston Texans. But those are my takeaways. Cody, you actually had an opportunity again to be out on that heated sideline. What were your takeaways from Tuesday? Well, my top takeaway, of course, was Davis Mills taking first team reps. John, as you alluded to on yesterday, that is something that we talked about, the possibility of Davis Mills still being this team starting quarterback, um, at least for the first half of the 2023 campaign. I'm not going to put too much into it because it's OTA practices. The second day is still early, um, but that is something we're going to have to keep our eye on, not just in OTAs, but through our training camp. And, John, as you alluded to, I think you said it perfectly um, during preseason as well. But with Davis Mills taking first-team reps, of course, C.J. Stroud took second-team reps and Case Keenum took third-team reps. So that was the only thing that wasn't surprising to us. Uh, we did get an opportunity to see the Houston Texans play seven-on-seven and 11-on-11. Um, both Davis Mills and C.J. Stroud did look good. C.J. Stroud at the start of his first couple of reps, he seemed like he was overthrowing just a little bit, but it did not take him long to find his rhythm. Um, the best thing about CJ Stroud, man, that 713 connection is already starting, baby. Him and Tank Dell, they connected on, I believe it was two times on deep on deep connections. So that is something that we definitely got to keep our eye on. But I think my favorite observation from day two of OTA practices, Damien. Pierce is back, baby. I don't want to get too ahead of myself because, of course, there was no tackling. I believe it was just touch. But to see Damian Pierce bust through the offensive line, to see Damian Pierce do that angry run, I love every single moment of that. And as everybody knows, Damian Pierce was on the cuffs of rushing for over a thousand yards during his rookie campaign. Unfortunately, he missed the last four games um, due to an ankle injury. Um, but like I mentioned, it's still early. There was no tackle, but to see the explosiveness, to see the cuts back, that was very detailing. Um, John, and another big important takeaway was the fact that there was a lot of veterans participating at OTA practices outside of Davis Mills and Damian Pearson. Just, I just want to give you guys some names that I was able to take to take down Roy Lopez, Derek Stingley Jr., Jalen Petrie, um, Darrell Gumbawale, Case Keenum, Jacob Martin, Charlie Heck, Devin Singletary, who, by the way, was taking second team reps. And I also want to mention every time CJ Stroud did a check down pass. It was to Devin Singletary. So I just wanted to throw that out there because that is something that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we looked at what Devin Singletary can bring to the Houston Texans. I was on the verge of saying that Devin Singletary can definitely be a reliable pass catcher out of the backfield for either Davis Mills or CJ Stroud. That is something that I also saw on yesterday. Um, Kristen Kersey, he was there. Brevin Jordan, Nico Collins, and Jonathan Grenard. Oh, yeah, and Titus Howard as well. What I like most about that, man, it just shows that a lot of these veterans, whether they are on the bubble, um, like a Jonathan Grenard, like a 
a Bourbon Jordan, like a Christian Kersey. When I say on the bubble, I mean being on a bubble as to whether or not they still going to get a lot of those snaps that we are used to them playing. Um, it was great to see so many guys out there because the Houston Texans are definitely in the mix of making the 2023 campaign. One of the, if not one of the best season we have seen Ever since this rebuild started in 2020, by the way, Coach D'Amico Ryans actually had an opportunity to speak on how great the attendance was, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, for it to be voluntary, I think we have a really good group who's participating. We have a lot of guys out, a lot of guys who, you know, this 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 time period here, it's about how can I improve as a player. And the guys that are here, they are honing their craft they're getting better and it's all about setting yourself up to be able to compete to make the team in the in training camp so the guys are doing that and i feel like the guys that are here are going to be in great shape to help us out in the fall so the only person that wasn't at ota practice for the second consecutive year i can't remember if he was there in um 2021 but that will be the one the only laramie tonsil which i'm not making that into a big deal because he was the Houston Texans' best player last year, and he's going to continue to be the Houston Texans' best player. And he got this some money year. to spend, too. He so. got some money to spend, and I know last year when he wasn't there, we did the whole, is he about to get traded, is he not? Look, the man got the bag this year, and he's and he had a lot of great things to say about not only Coach D'Amico Ryans, but general manager Nick Casario as well. Laramie Tunsil, take your time. Can't wait to see you in training camp, baby. One takeaway that I also had just going through the uh, interviews with D'Amico Ryans, and we'll talk more about that later in, in the show, but, you know, D'Amico Ryans was asked about the quarterback and the teaching perspective. When you look at C.J. Stroud, who didn't really play a lot under center in college, looking at his time in San Fran, um, <clears throat> and then looking at the teaching process of getting a guy to play under center, who didn't have that much opportunity. D'Amico Ryans responded, for CJ under center, it's a matter of just getting reps. Nothing magical about it. It's just getting under center and doing it. CJ had reps under center in college. It's not foreign to him. He's done it before. He's done a good job these past few days in practice understanding, and we haven't had any issues with CJ. Is with, with what CJ is doing. CJ is doing a good job. I also wanted to take that and, and link it over to Davis Mills, who was taking first-team reps. I just said, like, guys, we talked about it on yesterday's show. These are some of the welcome, you know, party party favors coming into the NFL. Like, mm. it's going to happen. Him not taking first-team reps in May. We're not even in June. We are in May. There's just certain things that as a head coach, as a general manager, as a coaching staff, that they put together kind of like they assembled the uh, Avengers, but hmm. they want to just make sure that he is getting the simple things down, the mechanics, the comfortability. And so to see Davis Mills out there getting first team reps, I had a few people tweet me and text me, and I'm like, hey, what, 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 Davis? I'm like, guys, listen, <laughs> we ain't even made it to Father's Day yet. Mm. It's not even Memorial Day yet. Mm. Davis Mills taking first team reps should not. Uh, I don't think that should alarm anybody. He'll be okay. The, the office will be okay. CJ will be fine. We'll have this conversation come August, end of July, August time. Don't be like Anthony Davis and make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now you get an opportunity to check out the No Sweat First Bet. 
up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, going into the NBA Finals, you can bet on whether or not you believe Joker's going to have a triple-double because he's had it so far in the Western Conference Finals. There's no better place to bet on all of the action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on fan duel the official betting partner of the nba yeah i mean i still i'm competing competing for that starting job i mean since i've been drafted in the nfl i've been in a competition um i don't think anything's going to change but i mean it's been been great getting to know cj so far he's an extremely hard worker um and it'll be good to see how we go out there and compete every day and make each other better i've always been a very self-motivated person i want to be the best player i can be um obviously he's kind of another stress factor kind of pushing me to be my best but i think a lot of that falls back on me i got to be the one putting in the work and waking up every day with that uh same motivation i think if i keep that with me i'm gonna i'm gonna everything's gonna work itself out welcome back in locked on texans listeners to this wednesday installment i kind of feel like we don't need to dive too much into this topic because we already talked about it (laughs) we already talked about it on yesterday speaking into existence Hmm, don't know but as you guys have read, as you guys have heard, Davis Mills just say he is competing for the starting job to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans in the 2023 campaign. Um, John, like I mentioned in the first segment, and like you alluded to, it's May. Don't want to read too much into it. And of course, a lot of us seeing Davis Mills take first team reps is simply due to the fact that C.J. Stroud, he still got to get into the rhythm. He still got to learn how to command an NFL huddle. He still got to go out there and learn the terminologies that the Houston Texans use. Remember, that is something that Coach D'Amico Ryans actually emphasized during rookie training camp. However, I do want to look at two important factors in terms of Davis Mills competing for the starting quarterback job. Um, One, can he be successful But two, and most importantly, given the Texans, given Davis Mills an opportunity to go out there and compete, everything that he said showcased to me that this is going to be a coaching staff that's going to coach around the strengths of his players. And that's very important because that is something that you and I have been talking a lot about over the last two years, more so ever since this rebuilding project started. So I actually had another takeaway from Davis Mills' comment, and it had a little bit to do about his play, but more so about what Bobby Sloak is bringing to this offense and what that could potentially mean for C.J. Stroud in year one and moving forward. Cody has that clip. Yeah, a ton of stuff we talk about in that offense is finding ways to create yards after catch for the receivers. Um, Fire off the ball in our uh, inside and outside zone run scheme, um, using our – big athletic linemen um, getting out on the edge and getting our playmakers out on the edge and then also setting up play action or just ways in the drop back game to um, get our guys out there in space with uh, the ability to run after catch. And I mean, it's been exciting so far. We've been pushing the tempo a lot, uh, being aggressive with timing and anticipation and our, on our side as a quarterbacks um, and really trying to emphasize those guys on the edge that we're playing fast and we're going to run by people this year. First of all, I've never heard Davis Mills speak about his offensive coordinator in that manner. I've never mm-hmm. heard 
it's been a while since I've heard a quarterback, really an offensive player, speak about the advantages of having a head coach or more so an offensive coordinator and Bobby Sloyd put them in positions to the mismatch positions. And that's been something mm-hmm. that I've been talking about since, you know, the days of Deshaun Watson leaving. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why that's important. When we look at the yak, which Houston is not good at, and I'll tell you why later. Since 2017, the 49ers have used motion at the highest rate in the league at 66%. When Brock Purdy took over in 2000, well, last year in week 14, San Fran had dialed up a motion on 72% of his plays. Before his starting, the number of pre-snap motions was 65% in the first 13 weeks of the season last year. They used motion on a staggering 83% of their plays in their win against the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs where they scored 40, 41 points. Brock Purdy had four, four TDs in that game, excuse me. I love the conversation has already been a point of emphasis in the quarterback room with the offense. The Texans have traditionally not been good, been at the bottom of the league uh, with pre-snap motions usage for the past couple of seasons. If we were to look at all of the ways this team can be much more efficient and a modern team offensively pre-snap motion with an underachieved wide receiver receiver room is heaven to many people's ears. And I'll give you more examples why. In 2022, C.J. Stroud completed 98 of 137 passes for over 1,200 yards, 632 air yards, 17 TDs, one interception, and a passer rating of 135.7 on plays using pre-snap motion. That allows the offense to get creative with play calling, but ultimately find those favorable matchups that will get some of those playmakers on the offensive side of the ball the opportunity to get those yak yards, to get those yak opportunities. And you're working smarter, not harder. This offense has been stale for the past two seasons under two offensive coordinators. And they are, those offensive coordinators, excuse me, were outdated and lack motivation to score points. Looking at C.J. Stroud throwing motion, he has the zip. He can launch it on those rollout, <clears throat> rollout motion opportunities, which you look at that, you, you put CJ on a pre-snap motion, roll him out, and allow him the opportunity with that big arm and how he can zip it out of his hand. Listen, man, in 2023, that might hit like the PPP loan during COVID. The 49ers had four players with 300 or more yak yards last season. Houston had none. And I think a big part of that is how the 49ers was able to utilize the pre snap motion on offense to find and discover those mismatches. And I think we look at Houston guys. I don't think tank Dell is a year one standout receiver and I love him. I love what he can bring to the special team unit. I love what he can bring as a slot receiver, but I don't want to see him just go heads up one-on-one matchups. No, I would love for tank Dell to be, Let's bring it from the left side to the right. Let's bring it from the right side to the left. Let's get you active on offense. Let's allow you to find the mismatch to get you in space so you can go out there and do what you do best and get those yards after catch. He was great at that in college. Do I think that, you know, the rookie Hutchison, 
John Metchie when he gets back on the field. Robert Woods, none of these guys I don't necessarily believe are number one receivers. I don't think they have a team full of Jamar Chases, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, to where no matter where they are, they can go out there and make a play on the outside. This is not the Houston Texans as of yet. So it makes more sense for them to be able to be put in positions to make a move and go and get some yards after catch. That's what I love the most, and that was my biggest takeaway from day two of OTAs. Hearing Davis Mills talk about Bobby Slork and how he's been implementing different ways to create that yak for receivers. Guys, the Houston Texans have been at the bottom of the league, once again, in pre-snap motions. So that means they have not been creative. They have not looked at and analyzed who they have in their offensive room in terms of receivers, and they have not found the best way to exploit their matchups to win those matchups. It's been bad for the last two seasons. That changes this year. Yeah, it's definitely going to change, and it's going to bring a better offense. Better offense means better play. Better play also means better coaching. And, John, you hit the nail right there on the coffin. When you take a look at what Bobby Slowett wants to do with this offense, everything that Davis Mills said to me – gave me the indication that it doesn't matter if it's Bobby Slowey, it doesn't matter if it's D'Amico Ryans, that they are going to build a system and a scheme around the best attributes of their players. There's three things I want to point out that Davis Mills said in that clip that we just played. Getting in space, pushing the tempo, and playing fast. Ever since week five of the 2021 campaign, when the Houston Texans, remember they lost to the New England Patriots, but Davis Mills had one of his best halves of his career. He went out there and Tim Kelly and, and, and former coach David Cully and Nick Asirio in the press box, they went out there, they played fast, and they let Davis Mills go out there and play to his strengths. And I remember one of my favorite plays for Davis Mills was when he connected for, I believe it was like a 15 or a 20-yard touchdown pass. He completed to Chris Moore at the time. And they went up, I believe, by like uh, by like 10 points or something like that. I can't remember the exact score at the moment. Um, and then they came out, very first drive of the second half. They came out, they, they was pushing the ball downfield. And remember, that was also the play where they did the flea flicker with Rex Burkhead. Remember, he pitched it back to him and he connected with it wasn't Chris Moore. I forgot what receiver it was, but it was another deep ball pass attempt that ended in a touchdown. And unfortunately, the last two seasons, the Houston Texans, due to the coaches, they did not play up to the strength that these players were showcasing that they can do. I don't think we're going to have that same situation with Bobby Sloyd with D'Amico Rhines. Now, the next question is going to be, if, if offensive coordinator Bobby Sloyd is already orchestrating an offense, that is suitable to CJ Stroud, but also suitable to Davis Mills. Now the next question, now the next question becomes, can Davis Mills actually win this starting job? At least, at least for the first half of the season. John, you put in your hand, you, you got your hand on your head right now, but this is something that we have to talk about, just like on yesterday. It's something we got to keep in mind because the one thing that I, I don't think none of us can take away from Davis Mills, yes, he did not look good last year, but majority of it has to do to the inabilities of his coaching. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I would say a lot of that had to do to the inabilities of him being able to set his feet and complete a pass. 
Uh, but this so that's why I if, say if, some, not all. Some. If, if if this was honestly, if this was like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, I would flirt around with that idea. I really would. But I gave you guys the numbers on when Ohio State pre-snap motion their receivers and allow CJ to either roll out and hit the receiver, connect with the receiver on the other side and allow him to use his big arm, his accuracy. Like those are some of the things when we look at accuracy and big arm ability and him coming into a position to where I just left an offense that love to use pre-snap motion. I'm going with a, a you know, a, a new head, not head coach. I'm sorry, guys. An offensive coordinator coming over from San Fran who will replicate some of the things that made them successful. I gave you guys since 2017 how many times they use pre-snap motion? Yeah, I, I think that Davis Mills will have a probably good training camp and maybe look better in preseason. But this team belongs to CJ Stroud, and, and I agree. This team does belong to CJ Stroud. And once again, listeners and viewers, I'm not pushing for Davis Mills to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans in 2023. I'm not pushing for that, but we have to have this conversation because. As you guys just heard Davis Mills say, say at the start of this segment, as Coach D'Amico Ryans and General Manager Nick Casario have been saying ever since they drafted CJ, nobody is the starter until we get closer to week one of the 2023 campaign. I'm not aware of the third down struggles. I'm not really, it doesn't matter what happened in the past with whatever happened here, it doesn't matter. We're starting brand new right now and we'll create our own path. We'll set our own path. That's what it's about. It'll be about the 2023 Texans. Nothing that happened in the past right now, we're not concerned with that at all. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans. Of course, we cannot get through every single takeaway we had sometime this week. day two of OTAs. But, of course, with Locked On Texans being daily, we're going to make sure we try to cover it as much as possible, which you guys just heard to open up this segment uh, was a response that Coach D'Amico Rise gave to me because um, John and myself, we wanted to explore, you know, how can this offense improve the Houston Texans' struggles on third down? So I had an opportunity to ask Coach D'Amico Rise about, you know, how can the Houston Texans improve on third down? And that's what he said. You know, he don't know anything about the third down struggles, but I did like the fact that he pointed out how everything is new with this team, that they're not looking back and they're going to continue building something special here in the city of Houston. So I appreciate that answer because it showcased to me that, one, D'Amico Ryan's already knew that this team was God-awful. That's part of the reason why he's here. But two, and most importantly, that they are definitely cleaning out all of the bad that the Houston Texans had been known for over the last three seasons. And this is definitely an opportunity for everybody, whether reporter, fan, or just a lover of football, for you to truly be excited about the Houston Texans in 2023. Uh, you know, I'm not really necessarily <laughs> mad at it, um, you know, what did he say? You know, I, I don't know about last season. Yep, throwing away the past. You know, this is something new. You know, I get it. Of course, we paraphrase yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, but coach, this team <laughs> only converted on 30% of their third downs. Oh. They actually had a higher uh, convert percentage on fourth down. It, it was 50% in terms of converting on, on fourth down last season. Uh, but, but that takes me back to talking about and how we just mentioned the offense moving. 
this year. Mm -hmm. There was times last year that the offense was just predictable, vanilla, and not able to sustain a drive to save their lives, right? Like it was, it got to a point where if Roger Goodell said, I need for y'all to go out here and convert three third downs in a row, or this team will be in, uh, I don't know, Kentucky, San Antonio, or San Antonio <laughs> so like they're going to move the team. Then last year would have been the last year in Texas football <laughs> season. No, I'm serious. It was that bad. Oh and so when we look at the addition to Bobby Slork, I can now downplay the addition to uh, Shane Day as well, of Shane Day to this team. I think that those minds are going to work together to, again, find the matchup to exploit. That's the number one. I think when you look at what the receivers can contribute to this team, they're going to have to find the matchups to exploit. Because, again, I don't see a Brandon Ayuk on this team. I don't see a healthy Debo Samuel. But I do see a Robert Woods who's a savvy vet, right? And we got to talk about Robert Woods this week. Oh, man, Robert Woods was awesome, man. And uh, he was was looking good out there. Um, He's a guy that played in an explosive offense before. And he just so happened to play with Ryan Tannehill, uh, 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 you know, Malik Willis, <laughs> Malik Willis, and uh, my other guy from from University of Tennessee last year. Like they had a bad offense. Tim Kelly ran that offense, bad offense, mm. bad quarterback play, and so he didn't get an opportunity to showcase what he could do. Still don't love him on that guaranteed money, but I can't front and act like I don't see him being a big contributor to this team, right? So they got some guys who I really believe can help this team more so than what the receivers the receiver room for the past two seasons they're going to have to find those matchups and when they do then you'll see those favorable matchups and now you're seeing tank dale coming across the middle hmm. you know using his speed on a drag route wide open now you'll see robert woods motioning out then he's running the out route because he has now a favorable matchup or maybe a safety or a linebacker like you see those matchups, and then you, we should see Houston not a big jump, but we should see Houston converting on third down more than 30% of the time this season. Thank you guys for checking out today's podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texan. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube under the name Locked On Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Really quick, John, if you had to place your money on it, what's more likely? Davis Mills starting come, let's say, mid-October or for the first time since 2002, the NBA without LeBron James. (laughs) The NBA without LeBron James. (laughs) We shall see, man. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, 2003. Was that April? Yep, April 2003. That was a long time. I was still living in New Orleans. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.